Welcome to KSS Some Shit Podcast, a place we'll be discussing all things in life, according to me. I'm yours, Ken. I definitely got some shit to say. In the last year, we've seen Miss Rona turn our normal into a new normal. Anyway, we found ourselves with more time on our hands to deal with ourselves. Our days weren't filled with lunch meetings or carpools or Tinder hookups. Okay, let me speak for myself for that one because some of you were out here sticking your butts out of car windows doing drive-by booty calls. We no longer did what we were used to doing to keep ourselves overly stimulated in some type of subconscious attempt to fill, I don't know, perhaps a void. Because some of us have an issue with being alone or feeling alone. So even in the midst of a shutdown, we still found our way to places like Walmart or some superstore, not because we needed something, but for like a little taste of what we consider normalcy. Some of us aren't used to dealing with the loudness of our thoughts or our hearts or coming face to face with what ails us like depression or health conditions, being in need of mental break and in the anxieties that come with the unknown or feeling overwhelmed with difficult news stories or the trauma of watching lives being snuffed out or realizing that we hate our spouses or our little asshole children. This episode, I don't want to talk about them. I want to talk about self and how to take care of this flesh, this shell, this collection of molecules, self-care. Do we know her? Self-care is defined as the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. It is also defined as the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. It is important to maintain a healthy relationship with yourself. It means doing things to take care of not only your body, but your mind and your soul as well. By engaging in activities that promote well-being and reducing stress to enhance one's ability to live fully, vibrantly, and effectively. The practice of self-care also reminds both you and others that your needs are valid and a priority. See, many have no issue with checking in with loved ones or prospects or social media, but self-care requires checking in with yourself and asking yourself, how you doing? And asking your body and your mind what it needs. Finding out what's going to nourish it. Asking it what needs to be done to keep and get your peace. If you do not, then you may not realize that things are changing or getting out of control or going wrong. Checking in with yourself allows you the opportunity to evaluate where you are in your recovery. And you could be recovering from anything, the week, the month, your menstrual, your ex. You may find that you need to readjust what steps in your action plan you are on and try different coping mechanisms. Self-care does not mean the same thing to everyone, of course. Of course it doesn't. Different people will adopt different self-care practices. And yes, even your own definition might change over time. A few common examples of self-care includes maintaining a regular sleeping routine, eating healthy, spending time in nature, doing a hobby you enjoy, and expressing gratitude. 
Self-care can look different for everyone. But to count as self-care, the behavior should promote health and happiness for you and help preventing the epidemic of a lifestyle diseases. See, some would say, I comb my hair, that's self-care. Or I get manis and patties and my lashes are done. And to me, that's basic self-maintenance. I mean, I don't get manis anymore, but I never put thought in it other than its cosmetic appeal and the time I needed to carve out my day and invest in the waiting game of my nails getting bedazzled. Is it mindful for me? No. Is it a stress reliever for me? Not really. Did it bring me joy? Uh, fleeting. I mean, don't get me wrong. I salute you for keeping up with yourself. But to me, that's like washing the outside of a car, but the interior has no seats and the oil hasn't been changed and it's sitting on concrete blocks. Like I said before, self-care looks different and feels different to everyone, but you can't spray perfume on a turd. It can be something that's relaxing or calming. It could be something intellectual or spiritual or physical or practical or something you just need to get done. That makes you feel good. Some say there's no way to say exactly what counts as self-care. But I say they have not met me yet. <laughs> Look, though there are plenty of examples of self-care that seem to tread a fine line between a health-enhancing behavior and self-indulgent. Self-care doesn't have to be about filling your calendar with luxurious experiences or activities that cost money. Though I certainly can, and don't get me wrong, I have been one to indulge in a great trip every now and then and a spa day. But self-care really doesn't cost a thing, doesn't cost anything at all. It's just doing things you enjoy, and a lot of things we enjoy or feel fulfilled from cost nothing at all. Stepping outside and taking a deep breath. Yes, I mean raw dogging your lungs with fresh air. Of course, while you're alone, I mean... You need your privacy and all. But just as an example, getting fresh air might be the greatest act of self-care. Since we are talking about unprotective lungs and air intercourse, it's only fair that we start with physical self-care. According to this definition, self-care includes everything related to staying physically healthy, including hygiene, nutrition, seeking medical care when needed, it's all the steps an individual can take to manage stresses in his or her life and take care of his or her own health and well-being. That being said, a large part of self-care includes health literacy, the capacity of an individual to obtain, process, and understand basic health information. And services need to make appropriate health decisions for yourself. Like, Do you know your status? Especially since some of you, and I won't name names, have been tossing your genitalia around like a hot potato, doing hot girl and hot boy shit without protective gear. When was the last time you had a checkup? When was your last blood work done? Are you aware of your allergies, mentally and physically, because I am mentally allergic to narcissists? See, self-care is also usually the first treatment response to everyday health conditions and common ailments. An estimated 70 to 95% of all illnesses are managed without the intervention of a doctor. And knowing when to consult a healthcare professional is imperative. Now, I said a healthcare professional and not Dr. Google because 
We all know that search can go downhill faster than the bobsledding team at the Winter Games. Start Googling an allergic reaction and after several searches, Dr. Google will have you thinking that you are on the verge of becoming a zombie with consumption. I suggest being mindful of your symptoms. What was your last oral intake? Have you taken any medication? What are your allergies? Location of pain, etc. Connecting and knowing your body and new pains or new sensations or new moles or new growths will help when it comes to relating it to a medical personnel. You may not see the point of an annual checkup, particularly when you don't have an insurance. But if you haven't noticed any problems and you generally feel fine, you think you don't have to go. But regular visits with a healthcare provider can help you catch health concerns in early stages before they become serious. Issues that start small can quickly get worse and affect other aspects of your health, such as your sleep and appetite. Physical self-care is also prioritizing sleep, adopting an exercise routine you can stick with, choosing healthy and nourishing foods over highly processed ones. Sleep can have a huge effect on how you feel both emotionally and physically. Not getting enough can even cause major health issues. And I know stress can wreak havoc on sleeping patterns. See, I'm a person that goes to sleep early. I don't sleep after being woken, which sucks. And have had nights of insomnia because someone called me about some bullshit that had nothing to do with me, which is why my phone is set to winding down time 30 minutes prior to my alarm that goes off before I need to go to sleep. And then my phone goes into do not disturb. I don't have the time. She likes to sleep. She wants a nap. Okay, with my Geritol. I'm not saying you have to be as dramatic as me, but I would say to start by thinking about your nightly routine. Are you eating or drinking immediately before bed? If so, it's especially important to stay away from caffeinated and sugary beverages, which tend to keep you awake. Is there a person or people that rile you up? You know, the people that you have to tell to use their inside voice while they're on the phone with you? Don't speak to them prior to turning in. We want to reduce stress or distractions before we pull those sheets back and our head hits the pillow. And speaking about food, take care of yourself by eating right and taking care of your gut. Your gut health can have a significant impact on your health. The types of food you eat crucially impact the bacteria in your gut. It has the potential to either keep us healthy or contribute to weight gain. Or diseases such as diabetes and high blood pressure. But... It can also keep our minds working and alert. Did you know that eating the right foods can help prevent short-term memory loss and inflammation, both of which can have long-term effects on the brain and in turn the rest of your body? Good nutrition doesn't just involve the types of food you eat. Sure, eating a balanced diet and mostly choosing food that's nourishing you over foods that offer few health benefits certainly helps protect your health. It's just... As important to consider how you eat, do you wait until you are starving and then devour food without thinking? Are you eating in front of a television? Or do you give yourself enough time to eat slowly at regular intervals so you can pay attention to what you are putting in your mouth and actually enjoy your food? Mindful eating and intuitive eating are two approaches that can help you feel more satisfied with food which can make it easier to enjoy any food in moderation, 
without restricting yourself or setting stressful limits. See, I love fried catfish nuggets. Some of y'all don't like catfish because y'all say it tastes like mud, but I love them. I love chicken gizzards. Yes, and I know what part of the chicken it is. Southern macaroni and cheese, lasagna, chicken cheese steaks, potato wedges. I love these foods, but I know I can't eat the unhealthy version all of the time and think that my mind and my body will be okay. Will it make me happy while I'm slopping it up? (laughs) Hell yeah. But in the long run, I understand that health issues that come along with that type of diet is not for me. One way to connect with your gut is to take the time and cook for yourself. Many people don't take the time to make themselves meals, preferring instead to stop for fast food or popping a pre-made meal in the microwave or ordering from some overpriced delivery service. But fast meals aren't usually sufficient when it comes to feeding your body the right kinds of calories and nutrients. Even if it's only once a week, considering making a healthy meal for yourself and your whole family. You can even look into a, one of those pre-measured meal kit service, you know, the ones that come to your house, that can help you get started. And exercise is also a part of self-care. We all know exercise is good for us, but do we really know how good it is? See, daily exercise can help you both physically and mentally, boosting your mood and reducing stress and anxiety, not to mention helping you shed that little extra belly weight. Exercising can Feel like an unpleasant chore when you don't like what you're doing. If it feels fun or even recreational, however, you probably won't have a problem doing it often. I love to walk. I will walk anywhere. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I hate treadmills, though. I prefer to see things, you know, sing to myself, see nature. I like to see real terrain. I also love to dance and swim. Those are the things that excite me. Those are the things that get me moving. When adding exercise to your self-care plan, you should choose activities you enjoy or at least the very little don't mind doing. If you hate running, consider investing in a bike or a pair of roller skates instead of a pair of running shoes. Get some easy gliders. And we couldn't, you know, wrap up physical self-care without talking about physical intimacy. People often use intimacy as a stand-in for sex, but other types of physical contact also play an important role in wellness. Touch is a basic human need, and touch starvation or being touch-starved, also known as skin hunger or touch deprivation, occurs when a person experiences little to no touch from other living things, and it can have a health consequence. Any all positive touch is considered to be beneficial. Losing out on friendly hugs or pats on the back can result in feelings of touch starvation. And of course, it does relate to sensual touching too. (laughs) We like those. (laughs) Yes. But scientists have found that there is a nerve ending called C-tactile afference, which exists to recognize any form of gentle touch, which explains why places like New York had people who were actual cuddlers for hire. The provision of what is necessary for identifying and nurturing your feelings, your conscious inner state, and your intellect is considered emotional self-care. In simpler terms, emotional self-care is caring for your emotional needs by identifying what it is you're feeling and then moving forward in a way that honors yourself in those emotions. When our emotional self-care needs are not being 
addressed, we tend to feel frustrated, leaving us with a feeling of, how the fuck did I get here? How did I get into this mess? And no real plan to climb out. You know, emotional rock bottoming. Unfortunately, this is something that doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. Instead, many of us completely ignore and try to push back all of our emotions to the back burner and hope that they will simply disappear. But of course, that does not work. It's never worked. It doesn't happen. So having an awareness of how to take more care of ourselves emotionally can serve as well when things get difficult. And can we normalize saying no to others and saying yes to ourselves? Learning to say no is really hard. Many of us feel obligated to say yes when someone asks us for our time or energy. However, you already stressed or overworked. Saying yes to loved ones or coworkers can lead to anxiety and irritability. It may take a little practice, but once you learn how to politely say no, you'll have more time for your self-care. So say no and learn how to accept it. We must also allow ourselves to feel and experience the emotions that come to us. Honoring the feelings are the only way that we can begin to work through them. And once we've allowed ourselves to feel and understand that those feelings are valid, can we become aware of familiar patterns and how they relate to our triggers? What causes you to feel sad? Is there a particular person that you're experiencing anger around? Ask yourself, what causes your emotions? And you will know how to reduce negative ones in the future. Many of us really struggle with putting ourselves first. When we have other people who are depending on us, we can see our own needs as a last resort and neglect to take care of ourselves. Our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health should still take stock. Imagine a sick person taking care of another sick person. Switching your focus to yourself is the best thing you can do, not only for yourself, but for others. You were you before you were born and birthed into this world. Before you understood that the being that birthed you was your mother, you were you. Before you were a sister or a brother, before you were a lover or a friend, before you were a wife or a husband or a mother or father, you were this living entity first. After years of conforming or changing of the mass, we get wrapped up in this bag of taking care of others that we forget to take care of ourselves. How can I be my best me for you if I'm not my best me for me? How can I effectively and compassionately water your flowers if I have neglected and wilted mine? And then become aware of the dialogue you have with yourself within your own head. Are you too hard on yourself? If you find yourself constantly criticizing yourself and using negative language, you need to switch it up and start treating yourself with the love and the respect that you want from others. A great way to start is by using self-love affirmations. A part of putting self first is setting up boundaries. And boundaries are essential when it comes to emotional self-care. If you have a problem putting yourself first, then maybe you also struggle with enforcing boundaries that are necessary for your well-being. Try getting comfortable with saying no more often. Some people may not like it, but that's okay. Fuck them and the horse they rode in on. If something is harmful to you emotionally or physically or mentally, you are entitled to say no. 
And then protect your fucking energy. Surround yourself with people who lift you up and make you feel grand. I mean, obviously, that cannot be achieved all the time. But if anybody makes you feel drained or negative too often, then distance yourself from them little fuckers or let them go entirely. No one deserves to have that much power over you. It is much harder to protect your own emotions when you're surrounding yourself with negativity. One of the biggest ways we can change the relationship we have with ourselves and care for ourselves emotionally is to see our mistakes as a learning opportunity rather than a failure. Mistakes are an inevitable part of life and they help us grow and become better. Each time you make a mistake, acknowledge where you went wrong and work to improve it in the future. Acknowledge your role, acknowledge your part, and only take responsibility for your part of the situation, of the experience. Make sure to forgive yourself and be, again, compassionate. Spiritual self-care includes such things as attending a religious service or connecting with a higher power. Spending time in nature. Go outside. Those things you used to do as kids before the world tainted your imagination when you were unapologetically you. Try it now. Let the sun kiss your skin. Take a swing on a swing, you know, after you sanitized it. Studies have even shown that getting outside can help reduce fatigue, make it a great way to overcome symptoms of depression. Getting outside can also help you sleep better at night, especially if you do some physical activity like gardening or hiking or walking or skipping or whatever you're doing outside. Meditate, which is a mental exercise that allows you to engage in contemplation or reflection. Meditation can help to increase resilience in difficult situations and make you react from your emotions less often. You can also incorporate regular acts of kindness into your day or keeping a gratitude journal. See, journaling is an amazing way to release your emotions and gain some clarity. If you feel like you get too caught up in emotions and can't let them go, try making a regular habit of writing them down in a journal. You'd be surprised at how beneficial journaling can be. Keeping a journal is a great way to learn about yourself. Being completely honest in your journal is extremely important. You should feel free to let your guard down. This will help you discover how you really feel and vent your stress in a non-threatening manner. Not only is journaling great at allowing you to declutter your thoughts and emotions, but to weed through the thoughts and emotions others have projected off onto you. Another way is to give yourself affirmations or positive statements that can help you challenge and overcome self-sabotaging and negative thoughts. When you repeat them often and believe in them, you can start to make positive changes. Self-affirmation may also help to mitigate the effects of stress. And gratitude is such a simple but powerful tool which can change your life forever. Being grateful for opening your eyes and being able to see because someone didn't wake up with that ability. Breathing in and feeling your lungs expand and contract with ease because someone is barely breathing. Having uses of limbs and senses and words because someone didn't wake up. Being grateful of a bed or a pallet or shoes or food. Appreciating blessings. 
the chance to do today what you didn't have the strength to do yesterday. Grateful for the opportunity to be a better you. By incorporating more gratitude in your life, you can switch your focus to a positive and take control of your own emotions. Now, I've said all that. And then how do you start a self-care routine? Ask yourself, which activities bring you joy? Replenish your energy and restore your balance. It doesn't hurt to try a few things that you have been wanting to do but hadn't had the chance of time to. Now remember, self-care doesn't have to be heavy. No one is telling you to start doing shadow work out the gate. But allow yourself you time and enforce it. Start small by choosing one behavior you like to incorporate into your routine in the next week. Whether that's guided meditation or smudging or journaling or walking. Build up to practicing that behavior every day for one week. Start each day by paying attention to your breathing for five minutes and setting intentions for the day. See, I typically make a cup of black sage tea and sit with my thoughts of yesterday, my personal goals for today, like not allowing myself to drown in others' burdens, to protect my peace at all costs, repeating affirmations, etc. Sometime in the day, journal your thoughts or a quote in your phone's notes or in a paper that resonates with you. Whether it has been something you read or something someone said. Take time to read, disconnect, and lose yourself in a book or in some music. See, I believe every day deserves a soundtrack. Reflect on what you're grateful for each night. Put your phone on airplane mode or turn it off. And for a half an hour each night, release yourself from the flurry of notifications. You can also call a friend just to say hello. I FaceTime when I miss people's faces. Take up a relaxing hobby. Pick a bedtime and stick to it. These are just suggestions, but the bottom line is self-care can have a positive effect on your health and and your outlook on life. But it requires you to make time. It is a choice that each individual can make to proactively take care of their own well-being and is definitely well worth the time and money you may or may not have to spend. We need to remove the stigma that being kind to ourselves and taking care of ourselves is self-indulgent or selfish. The most important relationship you have is with yourself. Love up on yourself and fix your crown. I'd like to thank you for listening in every Wednesday. You can find me at Kia Said Some Shit on Instagram, where you can leave questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a topic you'd like me to discuss on an upcoming episode, drop it in the DMs. See you guys next week.